Good morning. Um, I'm excited that Josh made it out today. Uh, he's been really sick, and every time I say good morning to Josh, um, he says today's the best morning ever. Right. So if you haven't, if you if you need to pick me up one day in the morning, come say hello to Josh. Uh, it'll be there every time. So thanks for that, Josh. You're an encouraging guy. Um, so yeah. Um, as you guys know, and, and just a little context here, if you guys didn't pick that up already, um, as, Rich, as Rich stated, <laughs> praying for dry eyes. <laughs> um, I preach about once a year here at City Chapel, and I usually cry for half that time. So if you guys just, if you're, if you're playing Candy Crush during that time, that's totally acceptable, uh, or whatever you guys do on your phones, let me get over that. Um, so, and then, uh, Joel was so kind to bring me some tissues. So I appreciate that. The Lord did allow me to get some of that a little bit during worship. So hopefully that, uh, you know, stop the flood. We'll see what happens here. So as you guys know, um, if you've been here or following along with us, um, we're studying through the book of first Peter. Uh, we're in chapter three today, covering verses 14 through 16. Um, at city chapel, we do expository teaching. So, which is just pretty much a fancy word for saying that we teach through the entire book, uh, verse by verse. So, 66 books in the Bible, we choose one, we decide to preach from that book, and we go through the whole thing. Um, And we do this, and the reason why this is important is because we don't want to skip over any key verses, um, especially verses that may not be easy to address in our culture, um, things that, you know, maybe other churches... Um, or, or people that you don't, you don't want to rub any shoulders, you know, and you want to rub anyone the wrong way or whatever by what we see or what the Word of God says um, in, in contradiction perhaps sometimes to our own culture, um, the culture of the day. So um, we've covered many issues like masters and slaves um, in the context of a, of a period maybe 2,000 years ago. Um, we've covered husbands and wives as we've walked through this book. We've covered uh, suffering for righteousness, which is what Dale did a great job talking about last week. And we're going to continue a little bit this week as well. So you can understand just from those three topics right there in a short book why some people might want to avoid some certain scriptures um, because they could be controversial. Um, the scripture for today is going to give us a chance to reflect on why we actually showed up this morning. So why you decided to on a nice cold winter day in Canada to get out of your home, pack your four kids or your three kids or your two kids or however many you have. Uh, my wife and I have four, so it usually takes us about three hours to get out the door. Um, so, you know, it, and why, why did you guys, why did you come here this morning? Um, you know, and, and why we want to live our lives for Jesus Christ on a daily basis, not just on Sunday morning. Um, so we want to reflect on that in our scripture today. So if you guys have a pew Bible, it's going to look something like this. If you don't have a pew Bible and you don't have a Bible, put your hand up and one of those lovely gentlemen in the back row there will give you one. Um, so you're going to be on page t- um, 1016 uh, to cover our scripture today. So it's 1 Peter 3, 14 through 16. But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you will be blessed. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled. But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet... Do it with gentleness and respect, having a good conscience, so that when you are slandered, those who revile your your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. May the Lord add his own blessing to the reading of his word. I'd like to open in prayer for today. Dear Lord Jesus, Father in heaven, Holy Spirit, we come before you today, and um, we just thank you for the ability that we have to live in a nation that allows us to gather and worship your name 
and to have um, just a time of fellowship together, Lord, a, a chance to be able to sing worship songs and praises to your name, Lord. And um, I just, I come before you this morning, Father, and I just ask that um, everything that is said at this pulpit would be from you, and anything that's not, Lord, that it would blow away like chaff in the wind and that nobody would remember it. But anything that's from you, Lord, that it would sit in their hearts deep and it would challenge them and it would uh, encourage them, Father, um, myself included, God, that you would be here in our midst um, with your Holy Spirit and guiding everything that we say and that we do. Lord, I pray that you would be with us as we go into the week as well and um, let today be um, a fire in our bellies as, as we step outside these doors. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. So... Rich touched on it just a little bit, but City Chapel actually has a, a program that they call Pulpit Discipleship, which is great, and it gives guys like myself and other guys in the congregation or, or anyone that's um, wanted to come and, and learn how to preach, they, they actually open up the pulpit to guys like myself. I'm not an elder at City Chapel, um, but we, we are, City Chapel is, is, has a big desire to have people grow in the knowledge of Scripture, uh, sound doctrine. And they give us the chance to come and speak once in a while. So I get to do this about once a year. So thank you guys very much for opening it up for us, the elders, and giving us that chance. Um, I'm going to tell you what my, the three main topics that we're going to be covering in the scripture today are. And I'm going to, because of pulpit discipleship, I'm going to say it twice and I'm going to say it nice and slow. So, <laughs> because I have a habit of speaking very fast. So um, the first point is going to be suffering for righteousness sake. This is for people that like to take notes, of course. Um, the second is the reason for your hope. And the third is sharing that reason. So again, first is suffering for righteousness' sake. The second, the reason for your hope. And the third, sharing that reason. So number one, suffering for righteousness. First uh, Peter is like a doctrinal manual. And you think about a manual that you get for you know, putting together your IKEA furniture. Um, this is a much higher quality manual and has a lot more content that's great. Um, but it's, it's a manual. Um, a manual for living as disciples on a mission, as elect exiles in dispersion. Peter was speaking in the spiritual context when he talked about this exile to the people in Asia Minor. Um, Asia Minor was um, an area in the Roman Empire uh, during the time period that this book was written. Um, so Peter is actually writing this letter. He's penning this letter. Well, it's not actually Peter. It's, it's a guy who's writing it for him, but he's dictating it. And he's writing this letter to a group of individuals that are living in Asia Minor, which is pretty much, not, in modern days, it's like modern-day Turkey. So in your minds, if you want to figure out what we're talking here, it's modern-day Turkey. That's where he's writing this letter to. Um, at this time and in, in period in, in the world, uh, Emperor, the Emperor Nero... He is the emperor of the Roman Empire, and he was not a friend of Christians. I don't know if, if anyone's overly familiar with him, but he did not like Christians, and he was not in favor of Christianity. Um, and so Peter is, in this letter, he's reminding them that their true home is not here on this earth, but is actually is in heaven. And um, I would say the, true is, the same is true for us, obviously, here today in Red Deer. This is not our home. We are just sojourners. This is um, just a, a short period of time that we have on our, on our journey. Um, so, First Peter is, an encourage, is encouraging us to be prepared in our obligation and, and duty to share the gospel um, and witness to people who do not know um, the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
Peter wants us to bear the costly witness to the truth that's found in the gospel. And in our increasingly antagonistic culture, um, that is in opposition towards the Christian hope. So we'll find that, you know, simply because we believe in this book and everything that it says, oftentimes it will put us at odds with the culture that we live in. And, um, and so with that being said, you know, the culture is going it, to, it's going to ask us to give us, a, to give an account for our hope. What is the hope? Why, why do we have hope in Jesus Christ? Why do we have hope in the gospel? What, what is that? Um, Dale did a great job last week. He covered a lot of suffering and righteousness. Um, he, he used a couple different examples. Uh, he's an example from the Old Testament, for anyone that wasn't here last week, um, of D- King David suffering at the hands of King Saul. That was before King David was king. He was, um, you know, one of the, a soldier, in, and he was um, underneath of Saul, let's put it that way, and, and King Saul started to get jealous of David in, in David's service to the Lord. So David was living out a holy life. He was living out a way honoring God, and this caused him suffering at the hands of, of King Saul. So this is a lot of, um, Dale unpacked that for us last week, and it, and it was great. The other thing that he unpacked, actually, which is also great for us to remember, especially on a day like today when we're talking about suffering for righteousness' sake, when we're talking about sharing the gospel, when we're talking about the reason for the hope in our hearts and the inheritance that we're going to gain. You know, often in, in churches or even just people talking, most people know the story of David and Goliath. And I'm going to just repeat this because Dale said it last week, but it's, it was so true for myself preparing my sermon. It's so true for all of us uh, every day in our life that, you know, we want to make ourselves David, right? We're David. We're killing the giant, right? We're out there and we're doing all this stuff. And, and really, it's not us. We're the cowering brothers. We're David's older brothers that are like, you can't do that. And we're sitting in camp. And Jesus is David, and he goes out and he slays the Goliath, right? And then we, because of what he does, that then emboldens us as believers in Christ to then have the strength and have the boldness by the Holy Spirit to actually go out and do what we have to do. Um, so it's, it's just such a great reminder. And, and Dale get, did a great job last week. Um, so Peter is not asking the people of Asia Minor to suffer for right. He is asking them, actually, sorry, to suffer for righteousness' sake, and to bear a costly witness. But he's not doing it without being an example to them first. So he's leading by example. He's not going to do that. But he was also, he also had an example. And his, his example was our Lord Jesus Christ. So again, Jesus still is that David. He's re- he is the one that is, is leading by example. And it's because of what Jesus did. It's because of his life that that, embol- that gave Peter the boldness that he had. And there, then he can actually write and tell people about this example. So I want to look at the author's life for a moment. Peter, for anyone that's not overly familiar, you might be, you might not be, he was um, one of the disciples of Jesus Christ, one of the 12 disciples. Uh, he walked and talked with the Lord for a period of about three or so years. And, um, you know, you, you put that in perspective in life, you know, you spend a lot of time with somebody over a three-year period, you get to know them pretty well. And so he, he spent a lot of time with our Lord. Um, here's some of the ways that um, Jesus encouraged and strengthened Peter. So he called Peter away from being a fisherman to step out of his comfort zone. You know, Peter's out there on the Sea of Galilee casting nets, and that's what he's doing. He's feeding his family. He's just going about his life. And um, Jesus called him out from that. Um, and I, I can imagine that, you know, that would be probably a pretty big change for Peter. He was, he was a fisherman. He wasn't, uh, he wasn't a scholar. He didn't have a big seminary education. And he was probably like, okay, this is going to be interesting. Um, he strengthened Peter uh, when he was imprisoned for the gospel 
uh, in Jerusalem by the Sanhedrin, suffering unjust, unjustly. So I'd like you guys to go, if you have some time this week, and go and read the first few chapters of the book of Acts. And you're going to find this story in there. I'll give you a little briefing, but it's pretty amazing. Peter is essentially, um, he's walking into the temple one morning. And um, so that would be like us coming to the church this morning, you know, whether we're late or on time or we got whatever. Like I said, we're all sort of stumbling in here, coming out of our vehicles. He's coming into the temple um, with John. And um, there's a guy sitting outside. So there's a guy maybe sitting outside the door there. And, and he, he can't walk. He's laying on his mat and he's asking for money. And, and Peter says to him, he's like, I don't got no sold, I got no gold and I got no silver, but um, I'll give you what I have. Get up and walk. And, <laughs> and the guy gets up and walks, which is like, you know, like that's amazing, right? So that happens. So you picture that just like happening today at church. And the vibe in here would be like, everyone would be like, you know, like, like, this is crazy, right? Like, this guy was, like, out here. He could not walk. Now he's here. And the guy's running around in the temple, praising God, and being like, and, and they all recognize him, because we all just walked in. We all just saw this guy sitting at the door, and now he's running around the church praising God, right? And so this happens, and so it goes, everyone is stirred up, and so then Peter's like, he comes, and he starts preaching the gospel. And he's very quick He's very quick to make sure that everyone's like, don't think that I did this on my merit. This is because of Jesus Christ. Right? This is not Peter um, that's doing this. right? And um, So yeah, it wasn't because of his merit. It wasn't because of something that he did. It was because of Jesus Christ dying on the cross. Jesus said he was going to send the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is going to empower us. The Holy Spirit is going to give us the words we need to say in the moment and, and the power to do what we have to do. Um, in this life, as, as, Lord, as the Lord asks us to do so. And so for doing that, and for sharing the gospel, so, you know, he was a little bit bold that day. He, uh, in front of all those people, he pretty much called them to repentance and said, you know, you guys crucified the Lord Jesus. He says, I know you did it in ignorance. You guys didn't realize what you were doing, but you crucified him, so you got to repent of your sins, and you got to believe in the Lord Jesus. And there was, and, and again, in context to the fact that he just healed a man, and everybody witnessed this, right? So, okay, there's some merit to what this guy is saying here, right? Um, and so, okay, um, and so some crazy things, some great things start happening. Anyway, he gets thrown into prison. What? The guy just healed the guy. Why are they going to throw him into prison? Like, isn't that a good thing? Didn't he just do something that, like, we should all be so happy about? Well, yeah, you'd think, right? Except for the religious Pharisees of the day, they weren't liking what he was saying because they were the people that crucified Jesus. Um, they didn't want him teaching in that name. And so they put him into prison. <laughs> and then that night, they're sitting there in prison, and then the Lord miraculously breaks them out of prison. Okay, so the, if this is you guys, and, you're, and we got, I'm just down at the remand center now and like, for preaching or for doing whatever we were downtown, and I, I, like, the doors open up or whatever happens, and I can just, like, slip right out. You're thinking, like, I'm heading to, like, the States. I'm, I'm getting away from Red Deer, right? Like, I, just, I just got out of prison. Like, thank you, Lord, for this gift, right? No. He just goes right back to the same place he was. So the next morning, they're all, they go to go to him out of the prison, and he's not there in prison. They're all confused. And there he is again, preaching the same thing in the temple. He's right where he was the first time they took him. And they're like, what's going on here, right? So they drag, they drag him in again. It's like, clearly you're a little dense. 
we told you not to do this, number one. We told you not to speak in the name of Jesus Christ. And, uh, and here you are doing it again. And so, just a side note, just a sidebar. When I talk about boldness in Christ, when I talk about Jesus being the David and not us, you know, how easy would it have been for Peter to be like, look at what I'm doing. This is the same Peter, though, if we remember not too long, not too much before this, was denying the fact that he even knew our Lord and Savior. And the reason that he was denying that was because he was scared of what might happen to him as Jesus was in trial to be crucified. Can you blame him? I can't. Jesus said, you're going to deny me three times before the rooster crows. Um, and, and he did. But then what happens is, Jesus comes back and he restores Peter. He lifts up his spirit. He asks him three times, Peter, do you love me? He says, yes, Lord, I do. And um, yeah, and then, and then you see the boldness that he can have. Where he can walk into a, a temple that he knows he's going he's gonna to face persecution. Then, and the first time, maybe he didn't even know that. But the second time, he definitely knew that. They already put him in prison once. So he knew that this is, okay, this is the way this is going. But yet he goes right back into it, and he's just preaching the word of God. The same guy who wouldn't even tell a little girl that he was the Galilean that knew Jesus. And this is not like a 30-year sanctification journey, and Peter works it all out and makes it happen. This is like in a very short period of time that this is happening, that he's seeing this change in his heart. And so... They want to kill him. Makes sense. Um, so they're going to kill him. They want to kill him. And then one of, the, one of the religious leaders at the time that I think really, you know, maybe understood a bit more, maybe the Lord was speaking and working in his heart. He's like, guys, let's just, just, let's just take time out here for a second. Let's not kill him because who knows, if this is from the Lord, we don't want to be caught working against God. That being said, if it's not from the Lord, it's going to fizzle right out and it's going to mean nothing. So they're like, okay, we won't kill him. We'll just beat him. So they beat him. And then they kick him out of the prison, or the, out of, the, out of the, the area where they're having the trial there with the San Jesus. So they just beat him. So anyway, him and John are leaving. So now this whole thing has gone down, and now they're leaving. They're all beaten up. You know, they've just taken a good flogging, probably. And, um, and they are, see, they're, they're praising God. Praising God. Because they were, they were counted worthy to suffer for the name of Jesus. Right? It's the same guy who would not tell the little girl that I know Jesus because he was scared to suffer. But now he's the guy that's suffering and loving it. <laughs> that's from the Holy Spirit, which is pretty cool. And so that's not, that's not from Peter, as you guys are getting in the picture. Um, because it was because of the work of the Holy Spirit, Peter became a man that was always ready and willing to share the reason for his hope, even if it required suffering. So again, now Peter being able to pen this book to this group of people, not unlike a church like us here today, maybe not quite as big, maybe it was, who knows. Um, he's writing this to them, and with, with pure confidence, he can say, look, you can do this. I know you can do this, and I know, I know that you can, you can bear this suffering, um, and you can do it with gentleness and respect, because I had to do that. And I've been empowered by the Holy Spirit just like you can be. And so that's, that's God doing that for us. Um, 
So Peter was also the first person to take the gospel to the Gentiles. Uh, I don't think he actually took the gospel directly to the people he's writing this letter to. They probably came out of some, um, you know, fruit and some work that the Apostle Paul did on his missionary journeys. Um, but he is writing to a group of churches, a group of people. And, um, but he was also the first one to take the, Bible, like, to take the gospel to the Gentiles. Um, and the Gentiles mean, for anyone who doesn't understand that, they're just people that aren't Jewish. So that would pretty much be all of us here today, unless there's anyone here that has actual Jewish blood in them, um, which, is, which is awesome. But if you don't, that's pretty much all of us. So if it wasn't for Peter and Paul and, and the disciples taking this out, um, no, none of us are going to know this good news. And so he was one of the first to do that. Um, and um, the Gentiles were people that didn't know God. Um, they were living in darkness, and they were suffering. Uh, they were suffering too, but not for righteousness' sake. You can suffer a lot of different ways in your life. Um, you can suffer for just being a bad guy. You can suffer for robbing a bank. That doesn't really count towards righteousness for the Lord. Um, we're talking this morning about suffering for righteousness. When you are doing something that is honoring your Father in heaven, that you're doing, you're living your life in such a way that it it causes people to sort of read back against you and, and you suffer for that. that. That is what we're talking about here today. Um, and, and through all this, of course, um, he became an apostle, an, authori- an authoritative messenger of Jesus Christ. He was commissioned by, by Jesus in order to, to be that. Um, and so that's, it's just huge for us to, to look at that. Um, in Acts, so this whole, it says in that whole story I was telling you guys about Peter, it says that these Sadducees, so these are guys that, you know, they, they knew they knew the law of the Old Testament. You know, these are the kind of guys that memorize this as children. You know, they memorize like the entire Old Testament, a lot of these, these men. They knew the doctrines of the Old Testament. They were religious guys, Sadducees, Pharisees. Um, and it says in the scripture that they realized, and they, these also, these religious guys are the guys that persecuted and killed our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Um, and they realized that Peter and John were just fishermen. Yet they spoke with such boldness. I really want you to keep this in your brain this morning. That they realize it says that they were unschooled fishermen. Not that they came from, you know, Oxford University and they had studied, studied under the, the best theologians and they came from this place and that place and, and they had spent so much time doing that. But the Sadducees realized, you know, these guys are unschooled fishermen, but man, like they're bold. And, and they know what they're talking about. And that's, that's coming from the Holy Spirit, right? And so, like, maybe in Red Deer, it would be something said, like, they were unschooled roughnecks, right? Like, maybe that would be more applicable for us, right? But think about the same context. Like, I was an unschooled roughneck. Um, I'm sure there's plenty of guys who have worked as roughnecks in this church, and then we know there has been in Red Deer for sure. Um, it's maybe a little bit more contextually for us. But it's help us remember that um, people in the Bible are just like ourselves, you know, we can read these stories of, of Peter and the apostles and everybody else in the Bible, even, you know, David, whatever. And also, God uses people like all of us here today. Um, he uses every single one of us. We don't have to be some kind of seminary student or somebody who's studied for years and years and years. What you need to be is somebody who believes and has your hope in Jesus Christ. And um, the Holy Spirit is going to use you in different ways if you make yourself available to do so. So any one of us sitting in the seats today, we can be used to do these things that Peter did. So that was reason number one, suffering for righteousness' sake. Number two, uh, the reason for our hope. But first, how do we define hope? 
Um, I took this out of Nelson's Bible Dictionary. It says, hope. It's really, really long. Confident expectancy. That's what hope is. A confident expectancy. In the Bible, the word hope stands for both the act of hoping and the thing hoped for. Hope does not rise from the individual's desires or wishes, but from God, who is himself the believer's hope. Says, and that's Psalms 39.7, my hope is in you. Hope does not arise, um, sorry, genuine hope is not wishful thinking, but a firm assurance about the things that are unseen and still in the future. So a confident expectancy, a firm assurance about things that are unseen and still in the future. Right? That's hope. So back to the original context, back to our, our verses today. So 1 Peter 3, 14 to 16. Always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. So let's go back to our manual here that we talked about. And we'll go back to 1 Peter, but we're going back to the first chapter here. So 1 Peter 1, 3 to 5. Is that my time up there, Logan? Wow, it was quick, eh? All right. <laughs> um, always... <laughs> Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. There's a lot to unpack there. So we're going to just do that a little bit. Now I know that we have preached to this obviously, but it really unpacks the reason for our hope here. So, point A in here. God's mercy for us to be born again. Okay, the first point, God's mercy, is so important for us to realize that it's not because we decided to do this deep, you know, intellectual dive into religion and then through all of our studies over the, all the years, you know, we came uh, to Christianity as the logical conclusion. No. No, that's not it. Um, the Father, our Father in heaven, caused us to be born again. From the scripture, you can see that anyone that has ever given their heart to our Lord Jesus Christ was asleep. Asleep, we were blind. The Holy Spirit woke us up. Um, and we are, you know... And we are already, well, we, sorry, we were already his from the foundation of the earth. We, we've always been his. He knows. And so it was because of him. It wasn't because we did this big study and, and we just figured everything out. And again, Christianity was so logical. Um, it is the Holy Spirit that regenerates our hearts and opens our eyes to see God. Point B, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. To a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Yes, Jesus died for our sins on a cross. He died for our sins. Yet, there is no hope if there is no resurrection. If he would have just died on a cross like, like thousands of other people that died on a cross, we wouldn't be hoping in him. 
We hope in him because he died on the cross and three days later he rose and he defeated death and sin. The Holy Spirit has allowed us to see our living hope and that is the resurrected Christ. Just like he did for Peter and just like he did for the believers, the believers in Asia Minor as well. Our hope is because we have faith in Christ we too shall be resurrected from the dead and to everlasting life. That is our hope. That's the reason for our hope. And point C, an inheritance. That we are, being, we are being resurrected too, but not to another earth like this earth that's broken and full of pain and suffering. That's not where we're being resurrected to. We are being resurrected to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you. Isn't that beautiful? We can't take our money. We can't take our homes. Any material possessions. Even though throughout the history of the world, many cultures and many kings and emperors and whatever, they've all been buried with all their wealth, hoping that it might guide them into the afterlife. That's not going to happen. And you're not taking it. So if you're trying to store it away somewhere, it's probably not a wise decision. Use it for something useful. Because it's not coming with you. So our hope, again, is in the resurrection of Christ and the inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading. Those riches mean nothing compared to what waits for us in heaven. We inherited sin from Adam, and we have inherited forgiveness of our sins, salvation, and eternity in heaven from Jesus and his victory over death. Yet... To the unbeliever, the Jew, the Gentile, the Bible is nonsense. It's foolishness. Right? Let me read 1 Corinthians 1, 20-25. I'm going to read the first little bit. I'm going to throw a couple comments in and I'll finish reading it. Where is the one who is wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? And these are my little comments in here. <laughs> What is the wisdom of this world in this moment in history? We don't even know the difference between a male and a female. That's how wise we are. We don't even know if there's any sexual orientation at all. Or, um, what about a child in a woman's womb? Is that a human being? Is it not a human being? Because we're pretty wise. But we can't figure that one out. We don't know... Um, Oh, oh yeah, the other thing, we're taught in our schools that, you know, we came from monkeys. I was educated that way. I remember listening to a guy, I was in the changing room at the pool, and he had there with his son, and I remember him, you know, explicitly describing to his son that, yes, we were monkeys. We all came from monkeys. And I, and I, I was just listening to this, and I was just like, my mind was just like, ah, I, just, I couldn't get it. But that's, that's the world's wisdom. Understand, that is the world's wisdom. So go, I go back to the scripture. For since in the wisdom of God, the world did not know God through wisdom, it pleased God that through the folly of what we preach to save those who believe. What do we preach? That Jesus Christ died on the cross and he was resurrected. Okay? 
So for the Jews, they demand, they demand signs, and the Greeks seek wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to the Jews, and folly to the Gentiles. But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks or Gentiles, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than men. And the weakness of God is stronger than men. I'm doing all right. <laughs> What's that? <laughs> Just go. Thanks, Rich. Be careful. You might, you might regret that. Um, sharing your hope. So this is point number three. Sharing your hope. Um, story. <laughs> okay. So, you know, I, I realize I just talked about us coming from monkeys, right? <clears throat> so God came to earth in the form of a baby born a virgin, uh, from a virgin. Um, wait, stop the show. For real? Doesn't this sound a little bit like a fairy tale? Which is totally what the guy who I'm thinking about the monkey thing could easily be thinking about what I believe, right? Am I fair? Is that fair to say? Well, that's what Kent said too. Who's Kent? Um, to which I replied, and all, and all of us came from a single-celled organism, right? But where did the organism come from? So let me give you a little bit of context. This happened to me about a week and a half ago, maybe, at Josiah's soccer game. Um, I had about a 45-minute conversation with a guy um, concerning the gospel, concerning creation, concerning the existence of mankind. I love these kind of conversations. I, I live for this kind of stuff. I, like, I just love getting in conversations with people and, and just you know, sharing the gospel, and, but just hearing what they have to say and, and even where their worldview is. Um, and... and these conversations rarely ever, you know, lead to any kind of arguments or anything like that because, like it said, back to our text, thir- you know, verse, or chapter 3, 14 and 16, yet do it with gentleness and respect, having a good conscience. So when we're talking to people and we're sharing them the gospel of Jesus Christ and we're, and we're, we're telling them about the truth, we've got to be doing this in gentleness and respect, right? Even if what they're saying to us could be like, you know, you believe in a fairy tale. Essentially, your worldview is a fairy tale, you know, and, and it's foolishness. Um, so the conversation, it started, we discussed, um, it started after we discussed Christmas, actually. So his Christmas wasn't great. He had told me that, you know, we, we started talking. Um, we had actually had a, a conversation a month earlier prior to Christmas at a different soccer game. Didn't mention God, didn't talk about God at all. We were just talking about some stuff. And I sort of bribed Josiah. If he got six goals, I'd buy him a Pokemon pack and and he got his six goals, so it was pretty cool. But we were, um, but we were just having a conversation that day. His dad's watching soccer. And um, anyway, he mentioned that Christmas wasn't so great. Um, and I had mentioned that my parents' house had actually burned down. But by God's grace, we're still able to have an amazing time. Right? Um, I also mentioned what a great example my parents have been with their faith in God for the last few years um, as they've been through some real hardships. Um, He asked me more, and I proceeded to tell him of the two children that they had lost over the last three years. And so as you could imagine, really the house was nothing in comparison. But still, I mean, 
who likes to have their house burned down before Christmas? Let's be honest. It's, <laughs> it's, not, it's not like it's something that we, we love, right? So anyway, he asked me more, and I, um, sorry. Yeah, around this time in the conversation, he actually, he told me he knew I was a Christian. And like I said, we had talked about a month earlier, but we didn't talk about God or nothing. And I asked him, I was like, how did you know I was a Christian? And um, he just says, you know, he, he's sort of a funny guy. Like he, he seems a little bit negative, but he's, I think he's actually a really great guy. But he's like, ah, he's like, he's, he's got his big two guns. He's like, you're just so positive, he says, right? <laughs> I was like, I was like, okay, <laughs> I don't know. If, hopefully that's a good thing. But so, you know, so I, I was sort of laughing about that. And uh, from there, we started to just, I started to just unpack the gospel with him um, and share, you know, the hope that my family had and why they could be so, you know, at such a place in their life where they were being such a, a good example through the suffering that they had been through, through the loss of children, through their home burning down and all these things, and how they were able to do that through leaning into God. And I started to share that with him. And, um, yeah, and, and so anyway, the, conver- the conversation went on. He was he was raised in a sort of a nominal Christian family, and he was, he's very convinced right now still, he's very convinced that Christianity is just not, it's not true. Uh, it's false. So we, engra- we engaged in a great conversation. Um, I was able to stand firm in my belief and not be shaken, even though he was coming after, you know, the Bible, it's not accurate, it's been translated, you know, how many thousand times, you can't trust that thing. I mean, like, it's like an old inquirer, um, you know, and uh, so we would talk about that, and I, I give some thanks to Vody Bachman on that one. If you haven't listened to his um, defense of the gospel there on YouTube, you should look it up. My brother and I actually, he, he had gotten into a conversation with a guy just the week prior, which, is, which was so beautiful, because my brother had gotten into a conversation, and I was trying to help him with some, com- with some stuff, but really, I mean, I was like, well, let's just go to the experts here. So we went to Vody, and I sent him over a link, and then I listened to it, and I had this conversation with Kent, like, two days later, right? So I was like, it was fresh, right? So I, I felt pretty good about that. So that was great. Um, but anyway, um, you know, he said, well, he's like, we're still trying to believe in this guy that we don't even know existed 2,000 years ago. And I was like, well, to be honest, like even non-Christian scholars pretty openly agree that Jesus was real real, and he existed. And he was sort of like, ah, oh, okay, that one didn't work. Like, you know, just throwing out little stuff like that, whatever, right? And um, so anyway, we went back and forth and and we were having lots of fun. And, and this is the whole thing. In this, in this kind of, when you're engaging with people like that and we're doing this and, and the Lord puts things in our heart um, and this isn't coming from us, right? But when God, he just gives you the word and he, he puts that in your heart, but you're, you're having respect, you're, you're being gentle and we were having a good time. We were joking about this, even though we were very much so coming at each other's worldviews, right? And, and you've got to understand that like, people can get very offended when you come at their worldview and what, how they see life and, and, and we as Christians become offended often when we shouldn't as well. But it can happen very easily. But with gentleness and respect, you can really avoid that. Um, and, that's, and that's what Peter's talking about here. And so anyway, you know, he's, he sort of went on to tell me that, um, you know, in, in his belief system, if there was, if there was a God, you know, it's, he's sort of up there and it's just, this whole thing was a big bowl of ink and he accidentally spilled it over and here we are. It's like, okay. So then I nicknamed him Ink Man. So that's what I call him now, Ink Man. And um, yeah, and so anyway, the fact of the matter is, is that I just asked him, I said, is it, is it perhaps that people would rather that there is no actual truth so that we could just live our lives with no accountability for our actions? Is that, is that a possibility? That we would just all love it if everything was okay and every path led to heaven and 
we could all just do whatever we wanted to do, and it's all good, man. Your thing's your thing. My thing's my thing. And, you know, nobody's accountable then. We can all just do whatever we want to do, and it is what it is, right? And that would be peace until it's not, like, which is instantly, right? And so, you know, that was the question that I sort of posed to him. And, you know, we talked for a while yet. I'm not going to recount the whole conversation, but at the end of it, he was pretty much like, hey, man, like, I really enjoyed this conversation. And this is all happening at, like, there's, there's, like, other moms and dads, like, standing around, right? And it's funny because he's the one who sort of started this thing up, and I got a pretty loud voice. And so he's, like, he's, like, inching away from people, like, as we're talking, right? And, like, we're going, we're going deeper and deeper into this thing and having lots of fun. And then I'm, like, like, what's up, dude? He's, like, well, I just want to be respectful. It's, like, don't worry, man. They were just built by a bunch of spilled ink anyway. I mean, like, it doesn't matter, right? Because that was sort of what he was going at. He was, like, he was, he was saying that, you know, it doesn't matter, right? Like, you no, know, we're all just, you know, protoplasm or whatever. And it's, like, okay, you know. Um, so, yeah, it was pretty funny. So we had this great conversation. We both enjoyed it. And, um, and afterwards I said, you know, like, let's do this again over coffee, right? Whether we do or not, I don't know, but I would love to. And I could tell that, um, I could tell that it was bothering him a little bit, which is, which is that much better. Like, not in a bad way, but you could tell his mind is like, so, so that was good. Um, and, I, and I had an awesome time. And, and, and so that, that story is not... Like I said, I'm not trying to be the David here. That's not what I'm getting at, right? Jesus, Jesus Christ is the David. And we're just living our lives, honoring the book, honoring the Bible, um, going around. And, and um, there's just so much freedom in knowing that we don't have to have every answer. You don't have to know everything. You don't have to be that seminary student. That's what I was talking about. Like when you get in these conversations, if I don't know and he's trying to challenge my belief on something like that, that's totally fine. And, and I just got to stand firm in the fact that I know who Christ is. I know what he did for me. And I'm going to take that in. And I, and I might walk away and I might, you know, go to one of my brothers or sisters in Christ that knows more than me at the church. I might, you know, look at Bodhi on YouTube or whatever and figure that out. And then next time I talk to him again, you know, I'll be able to question him on it and bring it back to him and see what he has to say, right? And, and that's, you know, the Lord just uses us in our day-to-day life this way. Um, so yeah, please pray, actually, that we do have another, co- another coffee, because I'd love to do that, and I'd love him to come to church, too, um, which would be great. So we, as disciples, have the joyful duty of explaining our hope. The joyful duty of explaining our hope. Um, so back to the text again. Always be prepared to give a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. In this text, the initiation comes from the unbeliever. So this is the unbeliever coming to you and saying, hey, look, you've been suffering. Your life is looking horrible. You know, you're not Joel Osteen. I mean, you're not a guy who's like got all the money and all the houses and all the cars, and that's why you love Jesus, because he's given you everything. No, you're a person who's suffering. Life does not look good right now. You know, the government is persecuting you. You know, I was when I had first started preparing my sermon, I was going to put in a long story. I took it out. But essentially, the story that I was going to cover was off of the voice of the martyrs. I don't know if anyone knows what the voice of the martyrs is, but it's just, it's, um, it's a group, it's an organization that focuses in on different countries in this world that have, where Christians are persecuted for what they believe, essentially. And there's many, many different nations. And the, the story that I was going to talk about, which I'm going to talk about now anyway, because it is what it is, um, there was a pastor from Tajikistan and he literally, so this is like a month ago, just got out of prison. So he just got out of prison a month ago. 
he went to prison for singing hate speech for three years. He went to prison for doing what we just did this morning for three years. Two years and eight months. He got out a little early for singing the gospel like we sang this morning. That's why he went to prison. And they closed up his church, you know, banged up the doors, threatened and, and you know, interrogated all the people in the church, right? And that's why he went to prison. And this just, this just happened. Like, he just got out of prison. So you may think about us leaving church today and the parking lot's full of a bunch of, you know, mounted police. And they're all like, okay, which one of you guys were in there singing hate speech this morning? Sign up for your three-year prison sentence. It's not, it's, it doesn't feel real to us. You know, we have so much freedom here. And when we, when we pray and we say, Lord, thank you for the ability for us to come and meet here and to sing and to worship and to gather and to, to talk about your name and to glorify your name, it means something. Because he can't do that. If they throw me in prison for three years and Hara's going to fend for my three kids, like, or three kids, four kids, <laughs> so this is bad. This is horrible. You know? Like, that's brutal, guys. Think about that. I don't know how his wife survived for those three years. How was she making an income to feed her kids when her husband was in prison? That's suffering for righteousness. That's what he did. And he's living in a place where that's real, and yet he's doing that. Just like Peter did, just like he did. And I'm sure, just like any of us, he was probably really scared and probably really wanted to deny the faith or really wanted to do different things like that, but he obviously did not, and he served his full sentence. Praise God. And these are, these are going to be heroes in the faith when we're in heaven, guys like that. It's pretty amazing. So, like I said, we have the responsibility to live in such a way that causes others to ask us why we have this hope. Other people should be asking you why you have that hope. They should be asking you that. You know, and then after they ask you that, they're going to ask you the reason for it. Why do you have that hope? What's the reason? And this is where you need to act as salt and light in the world, in your daily interactions. Because it's our life. It's our, it's our if I could use a you know, theological term that probably I don't even fully understand, orthopraxy. It's the way that we live our life out. It's the way that we live out our doctrine, our orthodoxy whichever, I think I got that right. But, you know, it's the way that we live it out. It's the way that we live out our, our Monday to our Saturday and we show up Sunday morning and is it anything like we present ourselves on Sunday morning? Or is it completely different? And as we live our life that way from Monday to Saturday, right, the Holy Spirit working in us, you know, us picking up our, you know, shaking the dust off that old book, you know, marking up a little bit, as we're doing that and as we're reading and as we're reflecting as the Holy Spirit's working with us and as we're talking to other brothers and sisters in the, in the Lord, you know, and we're around and we're out in public around other people, we don't have to always wait for somebody who doesn't know Christ to ask us specifically 
what is the reason for your hope? Because it's probably not going to happen that often. Not like that. But when you live your life in such a way and you get in conversations and you're at the soccer game or you're, you're at work or you're, you know, you're whatever you're doing, you're in the shopping mall and you're talking to people and it's gonna, it, it can come up. And that's when you do that. And you do it in gentleness and respect. That's how you do it. The preparation isn't, uh, um, for us isn't just knowing doctrine or the words to say. It, it also has to do with um, the way that we say them and when we say them. The way we say them and when we say them. It's not just knowing all the perfect doctrine and just all over Facebook. Right? That is, <laughs> it, how tempting is that, right? Um, that's not what it's talking about. You know, if I would have got all up in arms and all offended by Kent's comments that, you know, I believe in a fairy tale, that conversation wouldn't have went very far and we wouldn't have had the opportunity to then unpack different things and for, for him to, to understand more about that and for me to get to know him as a person, that wouldn't have been there. That would have been, it would have, would have been gone. So thank God that he is with us in these moments and that he gives us the strength and the boldness. Because the thing is, there's a lot of days where I know I don't feel like sharing the gospel. And I bet you there's lots of days where you guys don't feel like it either, especially when it comes up, and especially when it's like on some touchy cultural issue, right? Yeah, let's just pass that one by today. We'll go there another day, you know? But, but at the end of the day, that is a time where your life, your orthopraxy, the way you live your life can really shine. That's a time where that can happen. So, if we look at the verses, it says, give a defense, stand your ground, but with gentleness and respect, having a good conscience. How we speak in the moment and the way you've been living up to that moment is very key because when you live your life in such a way that honors your Lord, it gives you boldness to then tell somebody about it. Are we going to do that perfect? Never. Sanctification is a long process and it's going to happen to the day you die. And the Lord's going to be teaching you and growing you. And all we're, do, all we're called to do is what we can in that moment as he gives us the words to speak to the people that he puts in front of us. A life of gospel truth. <clears throat> yeah, and a good conscience. Sorry. Our example matters. Our good conduct matters. The fact um, that in our hearts... We honor Christ the Lord as holy. Again, going back to our text. We, we honor Christ the Lord as holy. I was on the phone with Shane like really late last night and I was getting ready for today and I was just like, I was like, I don't think it's going to work, man. He's <laughs> like, well, you're making her happen regardless. I was like, all right, let's do this. And he just kept saying to me on the phone, he's like, honor Christ the Lord as holy. Honor Christ the Lord as holy. And I'm like, honor Christ the Lord as holy. Anything that's not for me is going to go on anyway. And, you know, let the Lord have something sink into your heart. And the thing was is that I didn't even know in that conversation that Kent knew I was a Christian or thought I was a Christian or made that assumption. Like, he's kind of been wrong. And I was like, whatever, man. But, you, you know... And, and so you don't know how people are looking at you as you go about your week. 
How are they looking at you guys? Like, and if they do know, you can bet they're watching you that much closer. Right? Especially when you're, when you're bold about your faith and you, and you say what you believe. Now, now they're going to be really watching you, right? Okay, Mr. Christian. Let's see how you do in this situation, right? And, and they're going to be watching you. And that's where it comes up to us to live a life that way. Um, yeah. And don't apologize for the truth. Be respectful and be gentle in your delivery of the truth, but don't apologize for it. I think so many times I was listening to Vody too, and he was saying, like, you know, we talk about a hot-button issue, and we got to pre-qualify that bad boy for 50 minutes before we say anything that we actually believe in. Or just stand firm in the Bible and just say it with gentleness and respect. And then when they ridicule you and they shame you for your good actions in Christ, glory be to God and be like Peter and go away praising Right? Because it's how tempting is it for us guys to say something we believe, but we got to pre-qualify that bad boy for like 25 minutes. You know? What's your stance on homosexuality? Well, let me open up this big book for you. We'll talk about that for 25 minutes, and then I'll give you the answer that I believe from the Word of God. Or how about I just give you the answer I believe from the Word of God, because it's not my opinion anyway. It's the Word of God, and I believe it to be true. And so I'm going to tell it to you, but I'm going to tell you that what, wherever you stand, whether it's in agreement with me or not, that I love you, right? And that Christ died for you, just like he died for me, because I'm a sinner, and we're all sinners. The, the, the gospel says that all of us are sinners. So not one of us has a stance to say, oh, I, you know, I go to church, and so I'm this great guy. No. We're all here as broken sinners, and that's why we have the hope of the gospel, because Jesus died for sinners. Last time I checked, that's what it said. Which means he died for all of us here. And he can die for the person that you're talking to, too. And he has died for him, if, if, if the Lord has called him and will call him, which is also not your job. So don't feel pressure that you have to have just the perfect word, because if you don't, then that's not going to work out that way, because that's not the way God works. He just uses, like Paul says, like our horrible, imperfect preaching and talking to do things, which is wonderful. So we don't fit into this culture. As I mentioned, the Holy Spirit has opened our eyes. We don't fit in. Gospel life, gospel doctrine. Just knowing the arguments, loving the blood of the, the battle and debate, um, they're, not they're not qualifications. <laughs> A reasonable expectation is that we will suffer for the gospel. So have useful preparation. A reasonable expectation is that we will suffer for the gospel. That's a reasonable expectation. So don't be shocked when it happens. So meditate on God's word, like I said earlier. Get around your brothers and sisters in Christ. Your association matters. Get discipled from someone in Christ that is more mature than you and learn from them. There's another reason why every single time Rich gets up here, he says, oh, but discipleship is for everybody. And that's the reason. So that when you're going out there day to day, week by week, and you're living your life in such a way, you can understand the word of God better. I'll tell you, I went to pulpit discipleship and I was humbled because I was like, oh, these guys have been doing this for a long time and they're really good, right? But it was great, though. And, that's, and there should be more than four people showing up for pulpit discipleship. There's a lot more than four people sitting in here today. That's just the side plug that I was not planning on saying. Um, 
So yeah, prepare your mind and your heart regarding who your king is. In your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy. Our king is not the world's king. We serve different lords. Our king is not the king that this world serves. We are opposing, just to be clear. But in gentleness respect, let's show love to everybody. To the one, we are the aroma of life living to life, leading to life. To the other, we are the aroma of death leading to death. And who is sufficient for these things? Not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think of anything as coming from ourselves. Our sufficiency is from God, who has made us sufficient as ministers of a new covenant, not of the letter that kills, but of the Spirit who gives life. We don't know the aroma that is going to come off to somebody when we get into a conversation with them. Is it going to be the aroma of life leading to life or the aroma of death leading to death? We don't know that because we don't know the other person. We don't know who we're talking to and we don't know what the Lord is doing in their hearts. Our job is simply to make the coffee. He prepares the aroma. We're just out doing our thing. Our king will get his work done through weak, humble, believing disciples who labor, clinging to the one who is the way, the truth, and the life, Jesus Christ. Our Lord is going to do astonishing things through our witness for his glory. He calls his sheep through our voice. Do not let today pass by without asking the Lord who he wants you to witness to. Who does he want you to witness to? It's going to be different for every single one of us, thank the Lord. Because if it wasn't, we'd, we'd all be trying to minister to the same group of people or the same person, whatever. He puts different things in our hearts. So who is he calling you in your heart to minister to, to witness to? Ask him and ask him again, and he will bring them in your path. I promise you that. You just need to be faithful and in gentleness and respect, share the hope that is in you. So again, in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Worship him this week as, as, as others watch you. Show them the gospel, what it looks like through Christ, living a gospel-centered life. Let us pray. Dear Lord Jesus, Father in heaven, Holy Spirit, thank you for today. Thank you that your foolishness is wiser than the wisdom of men. Thank you, Lord, that everything is under your control that you know every hair on our head, that you know every sparrow that falls to the ground. Nothing happens by accident. You are in control of all things. And you are the one who gives us the boldness and the grace to go out and share the hope that we have in your Son. And if not for Jesus Christ dying on the cross and you sending your Son to die for us, we would all be ready for hell. But because of his grace, Lord, and because of what you did for us and that you caused us to be born again, we have the chance to have an eternal inheritance in heaven. And we thank you for that. And we praise your name and we glorify your name in Jesus' name. Amen.